So Esau is born first. He's all hairy, like this like hairy mantle. So I like to joke he's a little baby Ewok that's born. And then Jacob is born next. His name is the supplanter or he who supplants because he's holding on to Esau's heel. After all those months of fighting in the womb, he's not giving up. He is tenacious. And that's really important, by the way, for the kind of character that Jacob is. He never gets up. He's always fighting. He's always striving. So that's really, really important. Keep that in mind for the rest of Jacob's story. But now let's see how Jacob really lives up to his name in the first instance when he tries to supplant or successfully supplants his brother's birthright. And that brings us here to chapter 25, uh, verse 29 and following. So let's read that. And then I want to share a couple of different insights on this because a lot of people will say about Jacob, he's, he's a villain, right? A lot of people don't have good feelings necessarily about Jacob. His name means supplanter, he who supplants. He's, de- he's very deceptive and he's a trickster and all this stuff. But I want to present to you a particular perspective from the greater context of scripture that he's really not all that bad. In fact, his heart is in the right place. Yes, he doesn't do everything perfect, but honestly, he isn't the villain that people paint him out to be. So let's read this verse here really quickly, these few verses, and then share a few different points. And then it'll be important for when we get momentarily here in in about 10, 15 minutes, when we get over to chapter 27, this scene is going to be extremely crucial. So let's read this. Uh, Chapter 25, verse 29 says, Once when Jacob was boiling pottage, Esau came in from the field and he was famished. And And Esau said to Jacob, Let me eat some of that red pottage, for I am famished. Therefore, his name was called Edom, because Edom means red, as we discussed. Even Esau, when he was born, he was he was hairy like a little baby Ewok, but he was born all red. Like one old friend of mine used to say, he was like a little, like a little Elmo, right? So, but the meaning of red, Edom, here is also because of this pottage. So hold that into your brain for a second. Then Jacob said, first sell me your birthright. Esau said, I'm about to die of what use is a birthright to me, which is obviously exaggeration, which I'll say. Jacob said, swear to me first. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage of lentils, and he ate and drank and rose and went on his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. All right, so let's talk about this. So Esau sells his birthright for this red pottage. It says he despised his birthright. Um, and so this kind of, remember I said to you before earlier on, names mean things, right? Jacob, Jacob is he who supplants. Uh, Esau is also known as Edom, not just because he was a little red baby when he was born, but because of what he does in this instance. It's an indication of the character of Esau in being willing to sell this birthright here. Now, um, we talked at the beginning of this lesson about the importance of firstborn sons, about how there's this theme in scripture, how God often overlooks the firstborn son for whatever reason, usually because they're unworthy and goes to a younger son. Well, the firstborn son would receive the father's birthright and blessing, or rather receive the authority from the father and the birthright and the blessing. What's the difference between the two of them? Well, in your notes here, I have it for you. The birthright uh, was a double portion of the father's estate. So father dies, and then he divides all of his estate to his children, but the firstborn son will receive a double portion. The blessing was a spiritual inheritance. It was a spiritual inheritance of obligation and authority to spiritually provide as the priest of the family on behalf of all the rest of the family figure. So he would become the father figure, uh, so to speak, um, in a real sense, honestly, to spiritually provide and protect for everyone else here in the family. And this this is especially in this line of promise that we've been talking about, this blessing of the priesthood and the spiritual authority really is given to God to Adam. Then it goes from Adam to Seth, to Noah, to Shem, to Abraham, Isaac. And now here it's supposed to go to Esau. Okay, So it's a very special line of promise that is being passed down through the line here. 
So they're supposed to come together, the birthright and the blessing. And keep that in mind for when we get here in a couple chapters down the road, chapter 27, the birthright and the blessing is supposed to go together. It can be separated, which I'll show with you in the end of our Exodus Bible study. This is kind of what Jacob really does amongst his sons, uh, which we'll see uh, with Judah and then with Joseph. But that's down the line. For right now, keep in mind, the birthright and the blessing usually go together, and it goes to the firstborn son. Why? Is it because the firstborn son is lucky? He gets a double portion of the material inheritance. This is awesome. I get all this money and the flocks and the herds and all this stuff. And, I, and I'm in charge now. I'm the priest. I, I have the authority. No, it's not just simply because you're the man on top. It's because you're supposed to take care of your family. You get a double portion of the material inheritance because you're supposed to provide for the needy within your family, within your tribe. If someone is a widow or an orphan or someone is poor or whatever it might be, you're supposed to provide for them and you receive a material inheritance to do that. You, as the priestly figure of the family, fathers and firstborn sons, you're going to pray for the family. You're going to uh, intercede on their behalf, offer sacrifices on their behalf. So it's not just, oh, yes, I'm the firstborn son. This is great. Look at all that I get. It's like you're the firstborn son and you have an obligation and a responsibility to provide for everyone else that's entrusted to you. Okay, so this is the, um, the purpose of the blessing and the birthright that's going to go to the firstborn sons. Now Esau here sells his birthright as we just read. And then it says he despised his birthright um, because he doesn't care about it. And this is the point that I really want to emphasize that so many people get wrong. Jacob is not doing anything necessarily underhanded in asking his brother for that birthright. He simply says, sell me the birthright and Esau agrees. Now, Esau is the one at fault here. Jacob didn't put a gun to his head, didn't have guns. It's anachronistic, I know. Didn't put a spear to his neck and say, give me your birthright. Esau, with full knowledge and full consent, freely sold that birthright. And this is what makes Esau such an idiot and so stupid because keep in mind, Jacob is not the only person around with food, okay? Isaac, okay, their father, is now the, um, the head of the entire tribe. They're very wealthy. There's many people within his tribe because he inherited everything from Abraham. There are tents all around. So I do not think it is a stretch of the imagination where if Jacob says to Esau, sell me your birthright because I have this, you know, this food here and smells great. Don't you want it? Don't you want it? Esau, if he cared about the birthright and all the responsibilities that came with the birthright and the blessing, he could have just punched younger brother Jacob in the nose and said, forget it, this is my birthright, and go next door to the tent nearby or whatever and get some food there. But the point is he doesn't care about his birthright. And so he's like, yeah, yeah, he swears an oath. I swear an oath, I'm going to give you this birthright. It doesn't mean anything to me. Nor does anything... Um, that the birthright comes with, the obligations uh, that it comes with the birthright, that doesn't mean anything to him either. But this is the interesting thing. Jacob does want it. So Jacob's heart is in the right place. He does want this position. I think you could you know, speculate a little bit. I don't think he wants it purely for selfish means. But I think he does want to be in this position to be able to provide for the family, spiritually, materially. He wants to be the one in charge. Maybe it's not completely untainted by sin, but he does desire this blessing. He does want to be in the line of promise, this line that comes from Abraham, okay? And then, of course, all the way to Adam before him. Esau doesn't want it. He despises it. Jacob does want it. And the guilt is entirely Esau's. So at this point in the story, I think it's very argu arguable, demonstrable. Jacob's not doing anything wrong. He desires it. Esau doesn't. Esau's not coerced in any way, shape, or form. 
He just doesn't care. And this is, in fact, what Hebrews chapter 12 says here in your notes, verses 16 through 17. I've reproduced it for you. Uh, St. Paul says, See to it that no one be immoral or irreligious like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. For you know that afterward, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. So (laughs) St. Paul, or the author of the Hebrews, which I would say is St. Paul, says, look, he's being immoral and irreligious. He despised his birthright. He doesn't care anything about it. Jacob desires it, and so he acquired it. And so, yes, to a certain extent, he supplants his older brother in this position. He takes the authority in the position of the firstborn son to himself. But Esau's not worthy, and that's the big takeaway point in this first story, which will um, continue to develop in chapter 27, which we'll see after we see the stories of Isaac and Abimelech here. Um, But another good point about Esau's character is that he takes multiple wives, which is a very big problem. So we're not there yet, but in chapter 26, verse 34, we could skip ahead really quickly. It says, when Esau was 40 years old, he took to wife Judith, a Hittite, as well as Basamath, another Hittite. Okay, these are Canaanites, really. And these women made life bitter for Isaac and for Rebekah. So taking two Canaanite women is a problem. This is an echo of like Lamech. If you remember back in Genesis chapter 4, Lamech, the descendant, the sixth in line after Cain, takes two wives such as he chose. All right, he's the first bigamist. Esau is a bigamist like Lamech was. And he doesn't marry within his kinsmen. He marries Canaanite women which is also bad if like, you remember everything we talked about with the sons of God and daughters of men, the two lines would be inter, intercrossing, interconnecting. So this is a big no-no. He's taking the wives such as he chose. And also, before I forget, even later on, he marries another woman, making him a polygamist. So very, very bad reflection on his character. These marriages make life bitter for Isaac and Rebekah. He is not worthy in his character and in his um, actions, selling his birthright. And um, of course, as we saw, we opened up this lesson, Isaac has this preferential love for Esau, which is going to blind him to all these imperfections, all right? But before we continue on, you know, with the blessing, the stealing of the blessing, which Jacob does deceive his father, which is definitely a no-no, we'll talk more about that. Let's go into the uh, stories of chapter 26 with the parallels between Isaac and Abimelech and then his father Abraham and Abimelech and see basically how Isaac goes into the footsteps or walks the footsteps, walks in the shoes of his father Abraham. And there's a bajillion parallels in chapter 26 between Isaac and uh, his father Abraham. I am Dr. Nick. Thank you so much for watching this clip. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did and you want to access the entire lesson and the entire course, come visit us over at scriptureandtradition.com and join our community of students. You'll be able to access all of my courses in the audio library. Plus, you'll be able to access my live courses whenever I teach a new topic on scripture or the Catholic faith. God bless you.